Good morning, good morning. So as Catherine mentioned, my name is Jemima and I am part of the team here at Brompton Road. So over the past three weeks, we have been in the book of James and looking at how James encourages the church to be compassionate towards those in need, unwavering in our faith, even in times of trouble, and also how to live lightly while holding on to God and His will for our life. So I'm going to continue with our series, and our reading is from James chapter 3, verses 1 to 12. And it reads, Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits in the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take a ship as an example. Although they are also large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants it to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body and sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and it itself is set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who, who have been made in the likeness of God. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing, my brothers and sisters. This should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. This morning, I want to talk to you about how our words matter. I, I really, really love reading. I love reading fiction books in particular. And I just enjoy the way how a story well told can make you feel as though you're right in the pages of the book. You, know, you can totally lose yourself in a good book. And it can feel like you are part of that world. Theologian Abraham Heschel said this, that words have the power to create worlds. And I think what he meant by that was that the words we use have the unique ability to create experiences. They influence emotions and thoughts. That the words that we use have the power to create characters and even art. Now, it turns out that Abraham Heschel was not the first person to recognize the power of words to create. In Genesis chapter 1, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God said, let there be light, and there was light. God said, 
Nothing other than the words of God created our world. Our, our physical existence in this very moment is all because of words spoken. Who we are and how we choose to live our lives is because of words spoken over us and to us. So firstly, your words have power to create. Before joining the staff team here at HDB, I was a secondary school teacher. And it was during my time in the classroom that I realized the weight that my words had in influencing and creating part of my students' experience. In verse one, James says, not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. When I first read that, I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm scared. I mean, I have said a lot of things in my life. But then in verse two, there's hope. He says, we all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect. I think James knew that no one other than Jesus is perfect. Rather, he calls us to recognize the power of our words and also the responsibility that we have because of that power. The thing is, we all have influence in all of our interactions, whether that be at school or in the workplace or in our homes and with our families, with our friends, or even with strangers. We all have power to create experiences, to impact emotions, to sway thoughts. So the answer is not to hide. No, no you can't stop having influence. You have been made in the image and likeness of God. And the solution is to not be quiet, no, but rather in all that we say, to reflect the creative nature of God. We create reality with our words. Joel 3 verse 10 says, let the weak say I am strong. Now, of course, we have to acknowledge facts in a situation, you know, but our words allow us to speak life over every situation. Our words can change the direction of not only our lives, but others too. And it's, it's not just putting good vibes out there or, or positive energy. No, it's, it's us speaking in faith. It's so easy to, to speak what we see around us. And what we see can be overwhelming with the cost of living rising and energy bills rising. But the thing is that we have the ability to speak faith for things hoped for, though not yet seen. Proverbs 18 verse 21 says, life and death is in the power of the tongue. How many times have our words impacted our friendships or our partnerships, our marriage? Our words carry weight. So when we talk, let it be life-giving. Let's speak life over every and any situation. Let's speak life over our workplace. Let's speak life over our friends and our family. Let's speak life over our city and our leaders and our world. But, but I know 
that that is easier said than done. Knowing that our words have power is one thing, but being able to control that is another. In verse seven, it says, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. Well, that's it then, right? There's no point. It's full of deadly poison. The thing is though, prior to that, in verse three and four, James tells us what we need to do in order to have control over our words. He says this, when we put bits in the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants it to go. Did you notice that the bits in the horse's mouths are controlled by whoever holds the reins. Did you, did you pick up on the fact that the very small rudder that moves the ship moves wherever the pilot wants it to go? So whose hands are the reins in? Who's the pilot in your life? Is it God? When I was at university, I stumbled across this well-known poem and there was a line in it that, that stood out to me, it stayed with me and the line said, I am the master of my ship. I am the captain of my soul. And at that time I thought, yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. Like Jemima, get a grip, get some control over yourself. This is your life. But as I grow in my understanding of the love of God and what it means to live out this Christian life, I realize that no, no, I cannot be the master of my ship. I cannot be the captain of my soul. And the truth is, I don't want to be. In a world where we are told, be fiercely independent, you don't need anybody else. The truth is that I am desperately dependent on God and I need Him every single day. And I don't know about you, but I, I need Him to hold the reins in my life. I need him to be the captain of my soul. I need him to be in control. Secondly, our words reveal our heart. So, so I have a two-year-old and, and I don't know what it is about toddlers, but they forever have a runny nose. Like, it, it's just a thing, it's just a thing. Every kid in my son's class has a runny nose. So I, I took my son to the GP and I was like, listen doc, I don't know what's going on, what's happening here? And, and he, he gave my son a full checkup, but he also looked at my son's tongue. The thing about the human tongue is that it can be used as an indicator for sicknesses within the rest of the body. The tongue helps us to determine the condition that is unseen. So similarly, our words reveal the condition of our heart. 
Matthew chapter 12, 34 says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What we say tells the truth of who we really are. And not just that, but the way we talk about and to others tell us what we believe about God. Our words show our understanding of the grace that we have received from Him, whether we know it or not. Verse 9 says, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. God created every single human being in his image. So every time we tear down or insult creation, we by default insult the creator. Verse 10 says, out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. And I think what James is stressing here is that our speech should constantly be glorifying God. Every one of you has been called to extend the love of God to a world that is lost, to a generation that is looking for meaning, to a culture that is searching for a cause and purpose. According to James, it is impossible for such a contradiction to coexist, to praise God and then to curse others. He says, can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? Can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Now, I don't think that James is telling us that we just need to accept any and everything with a smile on our face. I think what James is telling us to do is he's challenging us to check our motive. So when we disagree with someone, maybe with their politics or the way that they choose to live their lives, before we say anything, we ask ourselves, is what I'm about to say necessary? Is it loving? Is it encouraging? Is it strengthening? We have to take the time to examine our heart before we use our words. And lastly, we have been given the living word of God and his name is Jesus. In John 1, it says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. In verse 14, it says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The word of God that in Genesis 1 created every living thing is the same word of God made flesh in the person of Jesus. Jesus who came for the least, the lost and the lowly. Jesus who loved the world so much that he lived and died so that all of us could have eternal life. Jesus, the one who sent his Holy Spirit and promised that he will be with us always. God has kept his word and he has come to you in the person of Jesus. And you don't have to struggle to find him. You don't have to work harder or be better than anyone else. And yet he says that he has made his dwelling among us. And to dwell, to dwell means to permanently live. So when we accept Jesus, the living word of God into our heart, when we acknowledge that maybe, 
Maybe the condition of our heart is that we need to realign with God, with him and his word. Then he comes to live in us permanently. That he comes to do a good work in us. And the Bible says that we can all then become new creations in him. So before I finish, remember this, that your words have power to create. So choose today to be filled by his Holy Spirit. Choose to use the power that you have to speak life rather than death, to speak peace over conflict, kindness instead of anger, and love in place of hate.